Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Nate McNamara. You might know me as the Walmart Young Buck. And tonight, we're going to take you on a journey. We're going to take you on a journey into the career of the greatest, most dominant, and most decorated combat sports athlete in the history of mankind. I'm speaking, of course, about the Conqueror, the Beast Incarnate, the Mayor of Suplex City, Brock Lesnar. How's everybody doing tonight? Well, you know, I'm ready. I'm ready to take that trip down memory lane. It's Suplex City's town hall. Let's go. Suplex City, bitch. All right. Um, as always, we got Shadow and we got Sean joining us tonight. Scals is in the background. He might pop up later. Who knows? We'll see. Uh, we'll talk about it. Um, but why don't we just kind of get on into this? We'll get right into the background of Brock Lesnar because we got a lot to cover, boys. <clears throat> Excuse me. A lot of people knew this one. I mean, it's pretty uh, common knowledge. South Dakota, middle of fucking nowhere, grew up on a dairy farm. I never knew he went into the National Guard. He was a National Guard, uh, ra- whatever they called, ranger, pussy, I don't know. Uh, but- <laughs> <laughs> All right. But was discharged uh, because he was colorblind and he failed a computer typing test. Uh, so he was actually kicked out because of that. Uh, he wrestled at Bismarck State College, uh, Bismarck fucking South Dakota, I guess. Um, won a junior college athletic association championship, then transferred to the University of Minnesota, where he was roommates with Shelton Benjamin. Uh, he was a two-time Big Ten Conference champion, two-time All-American, and he was the 2000 NCAA heavyweight champion. His overall record in four years of college wrestling was 106 wins and just five losses. <clears throat> and that is absolutely fucking wild to me. That's crazy. Um, straight out of college, WWE signed him. They signed him right to a developmental deal, sent him straight to Ohio Valley Wrestling. Um, and he was part of what is widely recognized as the greatest developmental class of all time from Ohio Valley Wrestling. That included Shelton Benjamin – Batista, Randy Orton, and John Cena. <clears throat> I'd go. I'd go as far as saying even when NXT classes, it's still arguably the best class in developmental. Oh, history. absolutely. I, yeah. I mean, I don't. I. I mean, think of the number of world championships, WrestleMania main events, Royal Rumble victories. Like, I think all four of those guys, outside of Shelton Benjamin, have won two Royal Rumbles. If I'm not wrong, I think all of them have won two. I think Lesnar's only won one, hasn't he? He won 2003 or four, and then he won that one. Oh, um, right. Yes. Yeah. A few years back. <clears throat> Excuse me. That's right. Uh, or was it last year? I think it was last year. Did he win last year? Yeah, he won last year and went against Roman and lost the unified title. Yeah, that's right. He, he won the. <laughs> that was, yeah. Yeah, that was stupid. <laughs> Anyways. Um, in 2002, he debuted with Paul Heyman at his side as his on-screen agent and manager. He immediately feuded with both of the Hardy Boys to start his main roster uh, career. Uh, he was quickly pushed right up to the top of the card. He won the King of the Ring tournament three months after debuting. Uh, he ended up feuding with Hulk Hogan and The Rock and actually defeated all of those people. Um, defeated The Rock at SummerSlam in 2002 to win the WWE title. The which happened to do so? Which happened in Toronto, Ontario? <clears throat> Toronto, Ontario, Canada. 
And it was, uh, <clears throat> he was the youngest man to win the WWE championship and still is to this day. Um, the only person to have a younger, uh, to be younger and win a world title of any kind was Randy Orton. And he won the world heavyweight title at 24, I think. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, Lesnar ended up feuding shortly after that with people like Undertaker and Edge and ended up losing the title Big Show thanks to a betrayal from Paul Heyman, something that became a pattern in their uh, in their career. <laughs> um, he, went, uh, he then went on to win the Royal Rumble match in 2003, uh, went on to face Kurt Angle for the WWE title at WrestleMania. Mm-hmm. During the match, Lesnar attempted a shooting star press, one of the most infamous WrestleMania images of all time. Attempted the shooting star press, a move that he had used all the time in OVW. There's so much footage of him using it and nailing it every single time. For some reason, he just didn't get the rotation, landed right on his head and neck, and knocked himself the fuck out. Got him. The fact that he didn't paralyze himself or die is just yeah. Crazy. Like, I don't think he ever tried it again after that. <laughs> I don't think um, so. Kurt Angle, oddly enough was already wrestling the match with a broken neck, something that was a very common thing for him, apparently. Um, he had to help Lesnar, who was just basically unconscious walking, um, had to help him improvise the finish of the match so that Lesnar could still win the match and win the title. The lights uh, were on, but nobody was home. <laughs> the, like, up to that point, the match was phenomenal. Um, I would still stack ending- that as one of Lesnar's best matches of all time. Oh, absolutely. And uh, it helped that Lesnar and Angle were such good friends behind the scenes, too. Like, some of the shit that they did behind, like, backstage segments, so funny. So funny. Uh, Lesnar does not get enough credit for how funny he can be. Uh, He lost the title to Angle back, uh, back to Angle at Vengeance in a triple threat match that also had the big show, only to win it back from Angle in what I believe is one of the greatest televised like on you know broadcast tv not pay-per-view one of the greatest matches to ever be televised on wwe it was an iron man match between him and kurt angle unbelievable match uh september 18th 2003 if you haven't seen that match go open the cock and go watch it sometime you heard me you heard me um lesnar ended up holding that championship until no mercy 2004 in another iconic match, iconic finish, where he lost the title to Eddie Guerrero via frog splash after both interference from Goldberg and then Eddie hitting a DDT onto Lesnar onto the belt. Very convoluted finish to make Lesnar still look strong and let Eddie win the championship that he deserved to win. But that's one of the best dudes too. Still one of the greatest in the Bay ever. Area as well in California. <clears throat> oh yeah. Um, in the lead up to their match at WrestleMania 20, it was leaked that both Goldberg and Lesnar were departing the WWE. Um, the fans got pissed and they infamously hijacked the match. Um, Lesnar lost the match. And then shortly after the match, special guest referee Stone Cold Steve Austin nailed both men with Stone Cold Stunners, making the crowd happy so that they could leave. See, that's um, how leave. bad that, that's how bad that, uh, that match was that even implanting Stone Cold didn't even save it to the end. Right. And then even then um, it didn't really save it. It just gave them a happy pop. Right. Like this, everyone still looks back about how absolutely God awful that match really was. <clears throat> Excuse me. 
Um, luckily, they got to redeem themselves later on, so we'll, we'll get to that. Um, Lesnar did indeed leave WWE right after that, uh, after just two short years on the main roster, uh, citing burnout, lingering injuries, creative differences, and also an alcohol and painkiller addiction. Um, so that sums up his very first stint in WWE. So the before, next we section, move on, yeah. before we move on to that next section you want to move on to, it's crazy to think about the body of work he did in two years on that main roster. Oh, yeah. And the names like the, that he went over, Undertaker, right. Kurt Angle, The Rock, Hulk Hogan, Edge. He went over all of those people. Right. And that's – I don't know if that's a tribute <laughs> to what he can do or just proper booking. Maybe both. But right. it was still crazy to think that that was only a two-year run and the amount of matches he did and the stuff he was doing. Right. And he was 25. Like, he wasn't – I don't, I don't know how. I, I don't know. It's just wild to me. But he then we're decided to go on. Un- everything dragged. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, he then went on to go on a whole bunch of side quests for the next decade. Um, he opted to try out for the National Football League in 2004 in an attempt to prove doubters wrong after succeeding as an amateur wrestler who had no college offers. When he went to college at uh, Bismarck State, he had no offers from any college anywhere. He was a walk-on. Um, he basically wanted to just prove his doubters wrong. People said that he would never have been able to succeed in a real sport like football. <clears throat> Excuse me. Their words, not mine. Um, after a ridiculously good showing at the NFL Combine, uh, Lesnar got into a motorcycle accident that left him with a broken jaw, a broken left hand, um, along with a bruised pelvis and a torn groin muscle. Despite this, the Vikings still signed him, and he actually played in all of their preseason games that year before being released at the start of the season um, because of his groin injury proving to just hold him back too much. So the man played four preseason games with the Vikings with a torn groin, and it was like he was a last-minute cut. That's fucking wild. Like, he would have been on the Vikings had that injury not happened, for sure. Right. That was a pretty, that was one of the the quicker side quests. Um, After that, about a year later, after healing up, getting healthy, he went uh, to debut for New Japan Pro Wrestling. Um, In his very first match, won the IWGP Heavyweight Championship. Um, This was, this I didn't know when I, until I researched this again, my favorite thing about these. While Lesnar was gone, WWE attempted to sue him while he was working for New Japan for using the F5 and calling it the F5, and also just for wrestling for New Japan in the first place. Um, I'm, it, it, they were unsuccessful. Uh, the case got thrown out. Um, but he started, as a to, just to be petty and to be a dick, he started calling his F5 the verdict while he was doing that. And I think that's just hilarious, a nice little like subtle fuck you to the WWE. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, he eventually lost the title to then TNA World Heavyweight Champion Kurt Angle in what would be Lesnar's last professional res- professional wrestling match until 2012. <clears throat> in 2007, <clears throat> after a little bit of a hiatus, uh, Lesnar was offered a one-fight deal with the UFC. Uh, he lost to Frank Mir in 90 seconds, uh, but apparently impressed UFC officials enough to see that he had some potential. Um, Dude, that Mir signed... fight was 
was wild, but I just remember it was such a good good build up to it, like the amount of publicity oh, yeah. around it. And then oh, Blizzard yeah. getting thrown around in ninety seconds was just even better. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um he was then signed to a full-time base on a full-time basis. And in just his third UFC fight, he defeated Randy Couture by TKO for the UFC heavyweight championship. I don't know if you've seen that fight. I, I watched that fight live. That was a good fucking fight. <laughs> um, after a few more. Sorry. It definitely was good. Like a lot of his UFC, like I know you're still digressing, di- diving into this, but a lot of his UFC work, man, he can, he can throw. He's not a very oh, yeah. shy man about that. Oh, yeah. Um, there, I think it was the match with uh, Randy Couture where he, like, I think it was Randy Couture that he caught talking shit about him backstage or something, and he's like, all right, we'll talk, we'll figure this out. Or is either that or is this the match he had before Randy Couture? If anyone knows and anyone wants to correct me, please do. <laughs> um, but I remember reading about that. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, after a few more title defenses, Lesnar uh, had it was revealed that Lesnar had been competing while suffering from diverticulitis, and he also had a perforated intestine, and he required surgery and nearly fucking died. So he was wrestling or wrestling. He was fighting in the UFC with this life threatening condition, yeah, and winning. <laughs> um, he eventually he lost. Yeah, it's fucking ridiculous. Um, he eventually lost his title to Cain Velasquez in 2010 and then very quietly just kind of disappeared from the UFC after that. Uh, he was kind of, again, he, he goes on like these year, year and a half hiatuses uh, before he does something new. And then this is where we get to one of the most dominant runs in professional sport, uh, well, sports entertainment history. In 2012, Brock Lesnar made his return to the WWE the night after WrestleMania 28. F5ing John Cena right in the middle of the ring. I don't know if you remember that. Malik just put it in the chat there. That is one of the ridiculous pops I've ever heard in my life. That was also like, even then, like the rumor. There was nothing about Lesnar coming back, period. Yeah, leading up to it, the only thing that was... The only thing that was like, oh, teasing was him in the W12 video game. Oh yeah, he made his return to the video game. They're like, and it um it it sparked uh the meme of Brock Lesnar guy who is one of the like planted WrestleMania or WWE fans. <laughs> oh. Nice guy. He still wears that fucking shirt all the time too. <laughs> I was a planted AEW guy. Yeah, in a uh, in a super weird booking decision. I'm not sure why, but this was probably because we were still at the peak of Super Cena. Super Cena law uh, beat him at Extreme Rules in an Extreme Rules match, which I don't think he should have, but I don't think in the long run it didn't hurt him, obviously. Um, he then went on to have a feud with Triple H, uh, defeated him at SummerSlam, lost a rematch at WrestleMania the next year, and then won the rubber match the next month at Extreme Rules. Um, so two matches in a row that he lost at WrestleMania upon his return. I don't – or uh, not WrestleMania. Two matches that he lost in the first year of his return out of the four matches he had. Not, I, I was not happy about it, but, again, I was a kid still, so it's okay. 
It made Sorry. sense long term when you go when you keep going with the story and builds him right. into this. And his his two losses were in extreme rules matches. Or um, so I think Cena's was a, an extreme rules match. I think him and Lesnar had a or Triple H and Lesnar had a street fight at WrestleMania that year. If I'm not at WrestleMania 29, if I'm not mistaken. Um, after it's that, Lesnar feuded. What's that? Okay. No, no, no. Keep going. No, no. Okay. Um, after that, Lesnar feuded with CM Punk in what I might think is his best wrestled match ever. Um, that match is criminally underrated. I know it, everyone loved it when it happened. Um, it was, it, it's really fucking good. It was uh, SummerSlam, I think, of that year, 2013. Isn't that the one with Paul Heyman involved? Yeah, Paul top? Heyman turned on CM Punk in the Money in the Bank ladder match that year or something like that. Yeah, I think it was. Uh, anyways, yeah, uh, he feuded with other people like Mark Henry and Big Show, uh, just kind of treading his wheels after the CM Punk feud. Um, and then he began a WrestleMania feud with The Undertaker. This is where things got really interesting for Brock Lesnar. Um, in what is arguably the most polarizing booking decision in the history of WWE, and I'm not exaggerating when I say that. Brock Lesnar. In, yeah, in that booking debate, like in that booking too, there's still a lot of debate because nobody knows other than the three men that made the call what the true call was. Right. Right. <laughs> well, I don't think we'll ever get a definitive answer what actually went down there. Right. We're missing, you know, we're, we're approaching the 10 year anniversary of that happening, and it's still a hot, hot debate among everybody. Um, I think WWE booked themselves into a corner putting Lesnar against an aging Undertaker um, in that there, there wasn't really a way to realistically put Undertaker over Brock Lesnar in that match. Like, in all honesty, they just it didn't make sense. Um, polarizing, but you know what? I, 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 I think it was the right call. I do. I think it could have gone to somebody better, but I don't think I don't think it was a bad call. I guess that's what I'm trying to say. It wasn't a good and it wasn't a bad. It was kind of just a call that needed to be made. Right. Yeah. And I, I guess it's like they I picked think, Yeah. I still think Bray should have broke the streak, but having Lesnar do it was still like Right. It, I think it, had, it wouldn't have the same impact. We thought it would Lesnar never happen. Um and the thing is, I think they picked the perfect WrestleMania to do it because it was the, the WrestleMania with Daniel Bryan. It was WrestleMania 30 where he wrestled at the beginning of the show against Triple H and wrestled the triple threat match at the end of the show in one of the greatest WrestleMania finishes ever. Um, right. And having that, that in the mid card, it worked because the fans were on a low from it. And, <laughs> yep. and they built right back up to that high ending the night properly. <laughs> Yep, and then that's still like the pop did not suffer. That pop after that win was ridiculous. Um, they picked the right night to do it. Um, later on, Lesnar returned. You know, went on his little spring hiatus. Uh, returned to take on John Cena for uh, for the WWE title in one of the most one sided ass kicking WWE title matches ever. Suplexed the man sixteen times. And defeated him in very easy fashion. I, Cena got almost no offense in that match, which that's... That's where Suplex City was born. 
you know, SummerSlam technically, 2014. Technically, that's where they started like counting the suplexes and stuff. But the Suplex City actually happened the following WrestleMania. I thought it was at SummerSlam 14. No, I, I it was because uh, he, at one Mania of the 31. I thought it was some. Yeah, because I remember, I remember him when I was at uh, WrestleMania 31, him yelling "Suplex City, bitch!" Right. I thought that was, okay. I I thought that was at SummerSlam, but that's crazy. So like that's that's kind of where it, it started and it gained traction and like people were counting the suplexes in his match and shit. No, um, I I like what the Sean said with that 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 um the infamous Suplex City bitch. I thought it happened at SummerSlam, not WrestleMania. Right. Um, speaking of WrestleMania, Lesnar held the WWE title up until WrestleMania 31, uh, where his match with Roman Reigns, a criminally underrated match, I might add, they were they put on a fucking banger that night. The first of um, sixty. Yeah, that I mean that was probably the second best match between them, and I'll get to the best one later. <laughs> um. Interrupted by Seth Rollins, who decided for the first time in history to cash in during a match. Um, during the main event, made the match a triple threat and pinned Roman Reigns to win the title in the heist of the century. Still the greatest money in the bank cash in nine years later. I still I still think it I don't think anything even comes close, honestly. I don't like, think you, you can go, top it, really. Like sure, you get the pop for Ziggler, but what was the follow up with it? The follow up was terrible with Ziggler. Um, sure, Edge was the first one to do it. Edge set the blueprint for it, but it was still so early in the concept of the Money in the Bank. We didn't really. It, it was still new. We didn't really n- understand it fully. I know this so goes like, off the rails of what we're talking about, but WWE booked themselves into a corner now with that because nothing will ever top that. Unless something crazy, nothing's ever going to top it. Absolutely not. I mean, there were, like, mumblings and stuff that he might do it after the match is over. Um, But I think they also were booking themselves into a corner in that nobody wanted Lesnar to be the champion and nobody wanted Reigns to be the champion. Like, the crowd was not into that match for about the first half of it. That's about the time time in Roman Reigns' career where he's being shoved down on throats. Yep, yeah, it was the. When I was there live. I popped hard when Seth came out and won. And like, you were at WrestleMania. I was at WrestleMania 31. Yes. Yeah, That's he shit himself. He was in the bathroom during the main event. Lesnar, uh, I mean, Brock pretty much dominated that match through most of it. Less Reigns got a lot more offense in than Cena did, but Lesnar really had control of it the whole time. Um. And the cameras caught him saying suplex city bitch after like the 10th suplex or something like that. It was wild. Um, I could go on and on about all the feuds and stuff that he was in, but like it would take up all night. Um, So I'll kind of just sum it up really quick. Um, Over the next pretty much nine, 10 years, uh, Lesnar would hold numerous world championships. He feuded with people like Rollins, Reigns a billion times. (laughs) <laughs> Randy Orton in one of the most gruesome main events I've ever seen. Uh, Drew McIntyre, Kofi Kingston, Braun Strowman, Samoa Joe, Goldberg, and just, I mean, he feuded with every top talent. Two um, two notes since we're talking about these feuds real quick. Yeah. The one with Randy Orton got him in a lot of trouble because of real blood, real busting open. That was real heat between them. Right. Two, 
I oh, no, no, no. It the, was. Sorry, go ahead. It was, I hated the 2016 feud between Goldberg and Lesnar because that's that whole that happened in Toronto Survivor Series, the most shittiest main event for that night. It was garbage. It was just terrible. The being there, it sucked. But the whole thing leading up to it is fantasy warfare just got real. Shut up. Yeah, I remember that. Um, I think the story they told was very effective in that feud. I don't think Goldberg Lesnar should have been the main event that night, if that's what they were going to do. I think it was like all of 30 30 or 40 seconds. It wasn't a a minute in 18 or something like that, because they spent a long time staring at each other after the bell rang. It was Um, stupid. It was... I like what they did with it, but it should not have been a main event of a show like that. So that's kind of how I feel. Um, After WrestleMania 36, the pandemic WrestleMania, uh, Lesnar lost to Drew McIntyre after Drew McIntyre won the Royal Rumble. And that that was a great feud up until the fucking shutdown. I'm so pissed that we didn't get a proper payoff. Um, Brock Lesnar initially retired. He didn't really say anything, but... um, he apparently had told Vince and told everyone that he was done. Um, he eventually decided to return about a year and a half later, anyways, as Cowboy Brock Lesnar. Um, also, as a babyface for the first time since 2004. So it been the greatest first. run. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, I think that was Brock, Brock Lesnar at his most entertaining. For sure. Yeah, he was. Well, you can't forget so Brock Party. The Brock party was so fucking good. I don't even care what you say. It was fucking good. I love Brock party. That shit was Um, hilarious. That's one of my most watched videos on TikTok. I I took that video and put it to the Whopper song. (laughs) Whopper, Whopper, (laughs) Whopper, Whopper. It's so fucking funny. Um, Numerous feuds over the next few years, again with Reigns, again with like pretty much everybody else, AJ Styles, Daniel Bryan. Um, Lesnar turned heel after attacking Cody Rhodes. They had a three-match feud. Uh, they traded wins, and Lesnar got the took the final loss at SummerSlam earlier this year. Um, shook the hand of Cody Rhodes, gave him a big hug, put him over, um, and that's the last time that we've seen Brock Lesnar on TV. Uh, he that could be gone. the last time we see him. Period. At this point, I think. Which, right. I mean, there's always merger. rumors. There's always rumors that he's like going to show up at the Rumble, or he's going to, you know, there's always those kinds of rumors. Um, but I do believe that he was actually – I do believe that he is going to come back. Um, but I, I do think the next time he comes back, he's going to be gone after that. I think he's going to have one last little run for WrestleMania 40 and then call it quits. And All I know is right now he's two provinces away from me, living life large in Saskatchewan on his farm right. with a beautiful wife, his healthy children, and enjoying his life. Right. <laughs> I don't know why I thought you were going to go in a different direction with that. But <laughs> I was, but this is a PG-ish show. Fuck that. All right. Um, <laughs> um, so before we kind of hop into the roundtable discussion, I kind of like to – I've kind of gotten into the habit of doing some fun fact things. Excuse me. Um, Brock Lesnar was a Division One All-American, two-time Big Ten champion, a 2007 – or 2000 NCAA heavyweight champion. He's also UFC heavyweight champion and IWGP champion, uh, two-time Rumble winner, Money in the Bank winner, 2002 King of the Ring, and a 10-time world champion in WWE. 
Can we really right. count the money in the bank, though? I count it. <laughs> it was a, it was fucking it was a good run, Brock. Poor, Hardy, Mustafa, poor Mustafa Ali being the sufferer of that one. <laughs> right. Yeah, but Mustafa, I in all fairness, I understand why he would be pissed and why fans would be pissed, but Mustafa Ali was never top champion material, and I. But here's the, here's the thing with that stupidity. If I'm Ali and I'm seeing Lesnar coming down that ramp walking, I'm just grabbing that briefcase and fucking grab the briefcase and fucking dip, bro. (laughs) Not stand there staring in awe of the beast coming at you. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Lesnar is the only person in the history of forever to win top heavyweight championships in WWE, New Japan, the NCAA, and the UFC. No one's even gotten. He, he, almost, he almost went to TNA as well. I'll just wait till this TNA. Saturday when he signs an AEW and wins their heavyweight title. Oh, fuck up. Um, <laughs> so here's a couple of other like fun facts that I that I really thought were funny. Uh, not funny, but interesting. Um, in 2015, I don't know if you guys remember this, but there was a massive snowstorm the night after the Royal Rumble pay-per-view. And crew and superstars and they were all stranded where they were so they had to cancel monday night raw that night and like most of the show was like trekking or following uh dean ambrose trying to make his way to wwe headquarters or something like that it was really fucking funny but it was super weird um they were just showing highlights from the royal rumble the night before for most of the night so i I don't know if y'all remember that but that was a fever dream episode of monday night raw Um, all right wasn't JBL doing hella comedy spots too? Like he was well, doing like the weather and shit. Yeah, yep, I remember that I, too. I believe that Raw is like the one or two times Raw's never been live. Yep. Like, um, so that night, that Monday night, there were so many wrestlers who were stranded and couldn't travel. Brock Lesnar actually paid to keep an entire bar and restaurant open. Paid all the workers extra. Paid the owner to keep and paid everyone's tabs to keep it open for the entire night. So people didn't have to travel in the hazardous conditions. I think that's pretty fucking cool. Nice guy, Brock. Yep. And Brock Lesnar, this one is what kind of threw me for a loop. Brock Lesnar has actually worked with the Make-A-Wish Foundation for over 20 years. Hmm. And he, like, he's nowhere near the number of wishes that John Cena has granted but he's granted more than any other WWE superstar. That's not John Cena. That kind of blew me away. Oh yeah. Like, that's what I was going to say too. Brock Lesnar has his own like seasoning and meat. I was just going to bring that up. Like that yep. shit is mint. <laughs> like, it's good. I, oh, excuse me. I have not tried it, um, but I've seen it. But yeah, Brock Lesnar. Yeah, uh, Joe Kerr on TikTok here says I knew he was involved, but not for twenty years. Yeah, he got involved right out of college, actually. Um, you know the reputation that Brock has for not being a people person—it's a lie. Like he is a people think, person. I don't he's very, think he's like, a he's people an person. But he, and he's not like the guy who's having half-hour conversations with everybody. But he's a good-hearted guy. He does like people. He just isn't very social. You know what I mean? The best way to put it is he's a country boy. He's got yeah, that, he, that he hard might to be a little he socially like awkward. Yeah. He might be like a little social awkward, you know? Like he would give but, you the shirt off of his back, you know? Like he he's that kind of guy. 
Um, and he, he he's like that hard, tough country boy. You're right. That like puts up the hard exterior, and he, it's a legitimately you know like tough, ridiculously scary exterior. <laughs> but um, the people oh, who boys. like the people who like know Brock privately probably see a side of him that we've never seen before. Right. Um, and I mean, most definitely see a side of him that we've never seen before. Um, he's really fucking funny too. Like his his appearance on Pat McAfee was fucking hilarious last. I was going to talk about that. Year. When he grabbed the mic and he broke shit. <laughs> he's like, see, yeah, he brought up the he brought up the time that Seth Rollins got tackled by the fan on live TV, and he just goes, "I fucking dare somebody." <laughs> and he like stands up. I dare the next fool. Fuck yeah, I love that. Uh, or his impersonations of of uh, Stone Cold. What? Yeah. What? There's um, there's viral videos of him and uh, I think it's a comedian on the Heyman Hustle. That's hilarious too. He's like the comedian guy's like, oh, I'm so mad. The next guy I see, I'm gonna punch. And then he's Brock Lesnar's just behind him. He's like, damn it, Brock. Not okay. The next guy. <laughs> <laughs> so. This is where we're going to get into the round table. Uh, if Scowls wants to pop back in, you are more than welcome to. Um, we'll kind of just dive right into it. Um, so on a scale of one to ten, you know the you know the drill. Uh, we're going to start with his in-ring work, uh, something I think is criminally underrated. But Shadow, we'll start with you. In-ring work is a solid eight. There's still elements to his game that could be better. I mean, any professional wrestler, it's really hard to hit that ten spot for in-ring. But I'll be, I'm going to walk away with this with an eight. Fair enough. What about you, Sean? I ain't shadow study at all. I mean, I have to agree with him. It's a solid eight. It's, um, you know, he kind of <laughs> like obviously for his uh, own health and the way he was a heel most of his career, he, he had to like change his movesets to very limited, but he can still be athletic at the same time. So uh, that's why he gets an eight. Well, I think yeah, we actually have a consensus here. We all we all said eight. Um, Brock Lesnar is legitimately one of the greatest in-ring workers of all time. I'm not going to, I will not take an argument to the contrary because he's still to this day one of the best sellers on the planet. Like, dude sells like a motherfucker, especially when he's wrestling someone that he enjoys working with. Right. If um, he likes you, he'll sell it. If he doesn't like you, you see it. Hey, like, he, yeah. he sells so good like, that uh, he changes colors. <laughs> um, like there's he a doesn't very... hide, he doesn't like he doesn't hide the fact that he doesn't like somebody in the ring and you can see it. Oh yeah. Like um, if he's not having very... it, he's not he's just not selling and you can see it. Right. Um there's a very obvious formula obvious formula to uh Brock Lesnar's matches the last you know six, seven years. Um there's a reason for that. It's because the suplexes get the pop out of the crowd, you know, and the Brock Lesnar's the, the way that Brock Lesnar is viewed is this, like, legitimate fighter. He is a legitimate fighter. So, like, why would he have to do all this, you know, convoluted shit, like put you in a sharpshooter or a Boston Crab or headlocks and shit? No, he's going to get in there. He's going to beat the fuck out of you. That's Brock Lesnar. Yep. So, like, I understand that he has this formula to his matches, but it's necessary because if it was, like, if he came in, and was just trading headlocks with Kevin Owens for half an hour. You're not no gonna one, buy he, he's not going to sell tickets. You're People go to watch Brock Lesnar beat the shit out of somebody. And for that, 
I say his in-ring work is in eight. Um, Babyface work. This where we might have a little bit of differing opinions on this, but Shadow, I'll let you go. Prior to Cowboy Brock, I'd give it a two. Oh, yeah. With Cowboy Brock, it brings it up to about a five. Okay. I think it's right in the middle. Okay, fair enough. Sean? To be honest, I didn't really like Brock Lesnar at all until he became Cowboy Brock, and I saw that different side of him. Mm -hmm. I'm like, and I, I always respected Brock for his, you know, his abilities and stuff, but for a Cowboy Brock, uh, I'm going to give it a six, like, just, just for that alone. Like Shadow said, it, previous work, not so much, but the Cowboy Brock really, he, he was his own person, pretty much. He was really him, being himself, so that's, that's what really taught me is, is country boy. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, if we were just talking about, you know, the beginning of his career after like, I think it was, um, when big show turned on him and he was a baby face, he, he was likable, but like, you didn't buy it. Cause like, he was this guy that showed up, beat the shit out of the Hardys, beat the shit out of undertaker, Hulk Hogan, the rock. And now we're just supposed to like him all of a sudden, like less than a year after he debuts. I don't buy it. Um, but now with the cowboy Brock run, I think one of the best babyface runs in the last 10 years. I I maybe I wouldn't say it's the best. I wouldn't put it above like Daniel Bryan or um Seth Rollins right now, honestly. I wouldn't put it over people like that. Um, but definitely one of the best. Brock Lesnar's babyface work is when he's motivated and he's loving what he's doing, he could be a top like the top babyface in the company. Um, but because of how bad it was in the early stages of his career. I give it a six. Uh, so it kind of it kind of cancels it out a little bit. Um, Can I add he's the reason, yeah. Cowboy Brock is the reason why I actually grew out my hair. Like, <laughs> <laughs> the fuck, he's got like the Goro ponytail and shit. I love yeah, that. Two, last summer, no, before I cut my hair, so two <laughs> summers ago, I guess. No, I don't know. Either way, I had it break. You've seen it, Nate. It's like from here all the way back. It was braided. Oh, yeah. Sides were shaven. And... I love Brock. I really do. Oh, yeah. Huge fan of him. Well, when... Someone said something. Okay. Um, okay. Sorry about that. You said a keyword in there, Nate. Motivated. Yeah, I did. Absolutely. Motivated Brock Lesnar is so fucking fun. And I'm pretty sure, he, like, his entire last run, he was motivated the entire time. Like hundred percent. You can say that about any athlete. If they're motivated, they're going to be having fun. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, Randy Orton is, a, is another one that's just like that. When Randy Orton's bored, he's he's boring. Yeah. But like when Randy Orton's having fun, he's one of the most entertaining superstars. His ever last ever. run, he just had, especially with Riddle, was he was he was right. motivated. You can tell he was. Uh, I don't think he was motivated. Riddle. I think he was just having like the motivation part. I still don't know if it's there. But he was having fun. So yeah. the thing that I noticed, if, if you haven't watched Randy Orton on the Stone Cold podcast, if you haven't seen that episode, I highly recommend going back and watching it. Uh, Randy Orton is actually like in a stage of his career when he's he feels more motivated than ever because he's grown up, he's matured, and he wants to help build the younger talent. That's why he's like not fighting for world titles anymore. Um, Randy Orton is... He, he's like, 
how do I put this? He's the Chris Jericho now. Uh, but like he's not fat and terrible in the ring. He's not he's not Crisco Jericho. Yeah. Yeah. Um but anyways, <laughs> Randy Orton, we love him. Hopefully he returns on Monday when I'm at Raw. I'd be I'll be super fucking excited if he does. They're not gonna wait till Survivor Series. If it if Randy Orton is supposed to be in that match, because they put Drew McIntyre in it already, or they're about to. Yeah. Um they're not going to wait till Saturday because people are going to spend the whole week thinking it's CM Punk. Yeah. So they're going to get ahead of it and reveal who's going to be that sixth or fifth person on the babyface team. And everyone in chat, you know, we're, we're going to keep it a, we're going to keep it a surprise for Sammy because she has to work. So if he comes back. Um, so. Oh, I'm not, I'm not giving, I'm just going to text her immediately. I don't give a fuck if you got to work. That's your own fault. If Just, if Randy Orton shows up on Monday night when I'm at Raw, I'm gonna fucking video call her right then and there. Like, <laughs> I tried, Sammy. Yeah, we love you, Sammy. That shit. Uh, she would probably block me, but let's. <laughs> I'll take the block. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, let's move on. Uh, heel work. I feel like we'll have a more unanimous decision or close to it. What do you think, Shadow? He'll, he'll Brock to me just fits the persona, the build of his body, the style he likes to wrestle. So for me, it's an 8.5. Okay, okay. Because uh, there Toronto. is some tendencies to his heel game that is very underlying that could use. Because you got to think, a lot of his heel work, he wasn't the mouthpiece to himself. No, not So at all. you can't credit him for, for Paul's talking. So that's what brings it down that to 8.5 because of his talking isn't there. Right. Um, Sean, what do you think? <laughs> I think I'm going to agree with Shadow. Like, you know, I'm at 8.5, and I was at WrestleMania this year, the Raw after Mania, the worst Raw after Mania in history, in my opinion, uh, when he turned on Cody, which, well, I'm not saying that was bad. I'm just saying the Raw, you know, but when he turned on Cody, and I was, I was, I was actually kind of sad. I was legitimately sad because like, are we going to not get Cowboy Brock anymore? Which isn't a bad thing, but it's just like, damn, like this is... I love Cowboy actually Brock. Love, yeah, I love Brock, Cowboy Brock. Coming like, out of a fucking black tank top and jeans and a fucking right. cowboy boots. Fuck it. Yeah. But for me, it's an 8.5, of course, because like Shadow said, Paul Heyman did all the talking, which uh, was obviously great for his career. Um also, uh, when he was the heel, he was still entertaining. Like Brock Party was one of the best things <laughs> ever. Fuck yeah, so the shit between him and our truth will never phase. That oh, shit had me dying up. One of my favorite things he ever said backstage, though, is like he was grab he grabbed the mic, he sent, he gave it to Paul, and he was like, "Here, Paul, say something stupid." Like, oh yeah. Um, I think with his heel work, I, I think I'm pretty much on the same level of 8.5 there. Um, as a heel, everyone, you know, knows he's beating the shit out of everybody that he's wrestling, you know? Um, but like the only thing that keeps it from being him being a nine or like even a nine and a half, cause he's a fantastic heel. Um, one is he's not the one doing the promos most of the time. Um, and the other thing is, most of Brock Lesnar's appearances, even as a heel, the crowd's cheering for him. 
the crowd explodes for him because he's Brock Lesnar. He's the alpha male of our fucking species. He's so got like, that. Um, I want to say he's got that stone called anti-hero. That aura wow. around him. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and he doesn't give a shit about your kids. So yeah, I don't give a shit about your kids. Um, yeah, that was one of the best things ever. I, um, I got to see for the very first time in my life, I got to see Brock last year and I actually got to see him twice last year. Uh, or this year, sorry, this year. I saw him at that episode of Raw earlier this year when, um, who was it? Uh, MVP accidentally spilled vodka on him or tequila on him or something. Um, that was cool. Got to see him F5 MVP. Um, and then I saw him at SummerSlam. When that guitar hits, I don't know if it's the frequency of it or like the instant explosion of the crowd. The hairs on your arms stand straight up and you get goosebumps in every fucking hair follicle on your body. That re- that legitimately happened to me. And I was I was I was lower level but like I wasn't right up there, you know what I mean? Um it's it's a different energy, dude. It's it's something else. It brings um, that real fight fuel to anything. Oh yeah. Um and yeah, so for that I say 8.5. Um and then now we move on to Probably the weakest facet of his game. Most definitely the weakest facet of his game is promo skills. Shadow. Earlier years, I gave him a one because he stuttered over himself so much. Like even even when you consider the the the, the promo he did with Eddie, it still was not where it needed to be. I mean, it's Eddie. Eddie's the one that made that whole promo the promo. Oh, yeah. Like that whole feud promo wise, it's Eddie. No one remembers what, what Brock said. <laughs> right, exactly. Um, you go into his most recent run, still not the strongest, but he did significantly improve his promos. So, in the latter years of his career promos, I give it three and a half, four, because he severely lacks that. He's not a talker. He's more physical. He needs to, his body does the talking. Yeah. Um, I just remember that backstage se- uh, segment where he goes, "I'm coming. I'm coming hard." <laughs> uh, he does for saying. Anyways, <laughs> Sean, what do you think? Um, to, to circle back to everything you said, nobody remembers what he said. <laughs> Like the only thing I do remember is that mariachi segment he had for uh, Eddie Guerrero, like when he was coming out, like with the mariachi. yeah, the fucking sombrero and the guitar. Yeah. yeah, that was funny. That's the only thing I remember. I don't remember anything he said like during that. So uh, for him, uh, since Paul Hammond did all the talking, pretty much, I would give him a a three, um, just simply, you know, up until his like. Cowboy Brock, where his Cowboy Brock was a little bit better. He's more comfortable. Uh, so pretty much three and a half. So fair enough. Um, real quick, everyone who's watching on TikTok, I see there's a few of you in here. I have the Twitch right there. Come on to Twitch. Come watch. Come watch live on Twitch. The view's a lot better. Oh, uh, actually, maybe not because you can see all of us a lot clearer on Twitch. uh yeah come on over i put the link or the well not the link because i'd get in trouble for that um right in the description so go ahead and just come on over to twitch and come see us um anyways 
Mike work. I give him a solid four. Um, and again, I think it comes down to you already came. Good for you, buddy. I don't think I need to know that, but um, <laughs> he's coming I'm hard. Kidding. I'm just kidding, sniper. How you doing, man? Um, coming hard. I'm coming hard. Um, yeah, uh, not good on the mic. Every now and again, he'll have a flash of something that's like funny, or uh, he'll say something um, that's kind of off-putting, and it'll kind of throw you off. Once in a while, he can cut a good promo um, if he's not yelling, because when he yells, it's high-pitched, and it's not very scary. <laughs> um, What's that earlier but, this yeah. year where he cracked his voice in a promo? Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> um, so, overall body of work, what do you think, Shadow? Overall body of work, I'm giving him, just like I said, his in-ring, an eight. Okay. John. Overall money and work. Also, can I add how underrated his feud with Bobby Lashley was? Um, oh, since you brought up MVP earlier. Uh, overall, I'm gonna give him I'm gonna give him a nine. Before before Nate goes, that feud with Bobby Lashley was albino versus the fucking thumb thumb. <laughs> <laughs> Um, fucking that uh that feud was pretty underrated and i thought they actually put on some pretty decent matches um i think lesnar put on underrated matches with samoa joe too and honestly he had a match with braun Strowman that was really good one match i would have loved to see that happened like it it was Keith like Lee. the Royal Rumble and the Royal match. Yeah, Keith Lee was like, oh, he's a big so, boy. Like, that was, yeah, that was the 20, the 2020 Rumble. That was the one that drew one. Uh, yeah. I still think that was the most, I still think that was the most perfectly booked Royal Rumble of all time. Like, Paul Heyman was the producer of that match, and it shows. So, Brock Lesnar, like, you know, he comes out eliminates, you know, people like MVP and John Morrison in, like, super quick fashion, um, Elias and all them. And then, Bucks like... Just a little bit. Yeah, let's go! You know, <laughs> and then just chucks him over. Um, Kofi Kingston comes out, and then they tell the story of, oh, Kofi lost his title to Brock Lesnar back on the, the Fox premiere of SmackDown in eight seconds. Um, so Kofi puts up a fight. What's up? Shitty fact about Brock Lesnar and Kofi Kingston... Is Brock Lesnar just beats every black champion for their titles? He does. Kofi, McGee, Bobby Lashley, the Rock. Some Brock, like a half the of the Rock. He's still half black. Yeah. So yeah. Anyways, my, um, I, I'll let you go again. My bad. Yeah. Um, <laughs> where was I? Um, where was I? Instead of put a hood on him. Where was I? What was I talking about? I missed it. The Rumble. The Rumble. Oh, yeah. um, so you got Brock Lesnar, and then Kofi Kingston comes out, and then you get uh, Xavier out there, and then you get Rey Mysterio out there, and there's like three guys. Or no, it was Big E. It was Big E, not Xavier. Uh, Kofi, Big E, and uh, Rey Mysterio, and then he ends up eliminating like all three of them at the same time virtually. And then you get Keith Lee, and then you get Braun Strowman. Then you got these three beasts in there, these fucking hosses. Um, 
Keith Lee walking into that ring and Brock Lesnar goes, who's this big fucker? Like the cameras caught him saying, who's this big fucker? And um, <clears throat> he just drops Brock Lesnar and then Strowman comes out and he tosses all of them over. And then you're like, oh, God, who the fuck else? And then fucking Ricochet comes out. And you're like, oh, God, Ricochet is going to be gone in two seconds. And then Ricochet actually sticks around for a little bit. Um, and then comes Drew McIntyre at number 15, I think. Um, Mid-Rumble, yeah. And uh, I'm like, this is where Brock gets eliminated. I literally was like playing it out in my head. I'm like, I just don't know how it's going to happen. Like, is Ricochet going to do something? Is Brock like, and then Ricochet just kicks him in the dick like an <laughs> asshole. And then that fucking, that Claymore, that Claymore hits so hard. And that is another one of those just ungodly loud pops that I've, I've seen in my entire life. And that, that, that one Claymore to Brock in that Royal Rumble made Drew McIntyre a made man for the rest of his career. Period. I think every at that point, it was kind of a foregone conclusion that he was going to win the title from Brock Lesnar. Um, so no one was really worried about that because Lesnar always goes on the hiatus after Mania. But that moment like solidified Drew McIntyre's place in the WWE hierarchy. And I think that was one of the most selfless ways that Brock could have done it. Um, but again... I digress. <laughs> so, speaking of Brock Lesnar moments, um, what is your favorite Brock Lesnar moment or promo? Remember, this is not matches. This is moments. Shout out. I, I have two. Because no promo ever will be in my any list. But two. One, I think it was 03. Him and Big Show collapsing the ring on SmackDown. I will remember oh. that forever. Because this is before I got the knowledge of the ins and outs of that I know now. Right. And thinking, holy shit, they legitimately broke the fucking ring. Yeah. And I talked about it for weeks. And then... And, I mean, go ahead. You can still keep up the illusion that it was legitimate because it never happened again for almost 15 years. Right. But, yeah, continue. My second was one of the most <laughs> recent SummerSlams when he fucking picked up the fucking ring with a tractor. I fucking love it. Son of a bitch. <laughs> the other, another honorable mention is when he picked up the fucking SUV with a forklift. That was great, too. Yeah, yeah. Sean, what do you think? Well, Shadow, Shadow pretty much took mine. You said mine. Um, we brought the forklift up against uh, with the ring with the, and his match against Roman. He was fucking a crazy country boy ass look on his face. Like, yeah, I just fucking did that. <laughs> just a shout out to those fans that paid for front row tickets to miss the ending of the main event. <laughs> right. <laughs> they literally just, everyone, they just buried Brock Lesnar under so much fucking shit to keep him down. <laughs> half the crowd in the front row couldn't see it. <laughs> it was so, everyone on the opposite side of the ring's like, what the fuck is happening? Like, <laughs> <laughs> I can't see. So I literally have in my notes my favorite Brock Lesnar moments, the fucking tractor. Those are the words <laughs> I put. The fucking tractor. Literally everything to do with the tractor. I didn't when he came out driving the tractor, I was like, how the fuck did they get this onto this tiny little like entrance ramp? For one. And two, why is it out here? How is it gonna play into the match? Is someone gonna get 
fucking smushed with this thing? Like, what's going to happen? Um, and then he just climbs out onto the fucking, the scoop, the backhoe, whatever you want to call it, the fucking, the, the shovel part. The scoop, um, yeah. The scoop. And just cuts this mediocre promo. <laughs> and the, the fucking, the toss to, Bra- to Roman Reigns where he caught it and just hit the wink. Um, slick as fuck. You're right. You're right, Scales. Um, and then, like, he just jumps at him from this tractor. I'm like, all right, this is what we're doing. Um, that was just fucking amazing to me. Um, and then my my ultimate favorite Brock Lesnar moment is the night that he returned in 2012. I was 17 years old, and I hadn't seen Brock Lesnar since I was eight, nine years old on WWE TV. And the guitar screech, because I had no idea it was going to happen. I think there were some rumors or something. Um but I was never, I didn't really like look at the internet for wrestling insider shit back then, like at all. A lot, a lot um, of that time I was falling out with wrestling anyways. So like seeing that right. was like, whoa. And like, I'm sitting out here thinking like, so I know that um, the initial thought was it was supposed to be Alberto Del Rio that came out or something like that. And like start another feud with John Cena or something like that. But like Brock Lesnar's music fucking hits. And I, I'm literally like sitting on the couch like this. And his music hits, and I'm, I jump off, and I'm like, I haven't jumped off the couch like that since I was a small child. And I'm like, I'm just sitting here like, what the fuck? And then he just drops him and dips. And That's how I felt the first night. Um, what was it? Which WrestleMania was that where The Rock came back after seven years? I was trying to avoid like all the rumors because I they're like they even WWE announced that they're announcing the host of WrestleMania. I wanted to be genuinely yeah. surprised because. And then the Brock's music hit, I jumped the fuck up and I screamed at the top of my lungs. Oh, oh yeah. Um, so that was when The Rock was announced to be the host for WrestleMania 27. Yeah, because I heard rumors it was going to be like Justin Bieber or something. I, I saw like, so I many God. stupid rumors. Yeah. And I, that was when I was kind of reading into dirt sheets and shit and trying right. to get the insider shit. Um, I don't do that anymore. It's boring to do that. I hate it. I just, I kind of. I kind of try and predict shit myself now, and it, it's funny because we, I'm, wrong. I'm wrong all the time. <laughs> I know we talked a lot about the, his feuds and stuff, but one of my like other, I wouldn't say favorite, but really intriguing storylines that he was doing was when he was using the Kimura to break everybody in anybody's arm. Oh, yeah. Did it to fucking uh, Triple H, Mark Top Henry, Michaels. Triple H again, <laughs> Big Show. They did yeah. it to Sean too, which was brutal. And then they brought it back for Cody. Um, yeah. By then it was played out, but like yeah, when it, the first was happening, it was great. I did like. I thought Brock and Cody's feud was really good, though. I, I no, it was, it was the feud itself was good, but the Kamora shit was just useless. Yeah. Because... Um, I think they over exaggerated it a little bit. It didn't look that bad because the way he did it back in the day, it looked fucking painful. It looked Actually, gross. Looked like it looked like he just did it out of the UFC. And then he did it right. now. And it's like, uh, okay. Right. Um, so moving to the next part, uh, what would you say is your favorite uh Brock Lesnar match? Shadow. Him and Hogan, I think, put on a really, really? good I think that that's one of my favorites because like it's squid like you gotta think the time it happened, a lot of us were still this is before Hoagie got racist. So 
Like, I'm sure Hogan was always racist. But, but you know what I mean? This is before we all knew it. Okay? <laughs> so, like, you had Lesnar squish the embodiment of WWF slash WWE at that time. Like, that was the end-all, be-all of WWE. It was Hulk Hogan. And having Lesnar right. just destroy him the way he did, it just, it's one of my favorite matches. Another one of my favorite matches, Lesnar and Cena, because I like watching Cena get thrown around the ring a million times. Understandable. And him and Reigns at the SummerSlam was really good. I thought that oh, was yeah. their best match. That is like that's legitimately my favorite last man standing match of all time. Um, and you're a Shawn Michaels just, fan. <laughs> yeah, that was absolutely chaotic from start to finish, and that's what a last man standing match should be, in my opinion. Um, but Sean, what is your favorite Brock Lesnar match? I'm gonna have to say I have two. Um, uh, the Rock versus Brock Lesnar at SummerSlam, mm-hmm. where The Rock put him over because The Rock was leaving for Hollywood. Um, and then I'd have to do uh, Eddie Guerrero versus Brock at No Way Out, where Eddie was crowned uh, WWE champion for the first time. Oh, yeah. I mean, that match was kind of over. I mean, I wouldn't say overbooked, but it was booked in a way that they could get the title off of Lesnar and get the title onto Eddie. Um, so the ending was kind of convoluted, but it, it kind of, if you actually like go back, watch the whole match, they put on a great fucking show before all that shit happened. Um, so like the ending felt, the ending of it felt earned, honestly. Um, Eddie definitely earned that championship, especially the way he performed that night. Um, my favorite Brock Lesnar match um, besides the last man standing match last year at SummerSlam, I got to say the triple threat match from the Royal Rumble in 2015 with him, Cena, and Rollins. That was, that is, again, I, maybe, I don't know if that's, I can't even say it's recency bias because it was eight years ago. Like, holy shit was that an entertaining match. It was a car crash of a match. And 20, 25 minutes of, you know, Cena and Rollins kicking the shit out of Lesnar just for him to come back and kick the shit out of both of them. Um, my favorite triple threat match ever. Like, I can't think of enough that I put that over Michaels Benoit Triple H personally. Would you put um, it? Would you would you put it over Randy Kurt Ray? Yeah, I would, and I t- I will tell you why. That match didn't go as long as it should have. That match with Orton, Angle, and Rey Mysterio only lasted about 12 minutes. The only part, and, like, another reason, too, is that match had too much emotional charge to it because everybody felt Rey was winning. Yeah. Um, everyone kind of – it was kind of obvious that Rey would win. I, The Lesnar-Cena-Rollins match, I actually thought Cena was going to walk away with that one, especially with the way that they put Lesnar out. I thought that was their way of getting him out of the match. Um, but then he came back and stormed in and won like absolutely electric. The crowd goes fucking wild. The finish, uh, Seth Rollins takes the nastiest F5. Um, if you have, I mean, I'm sure most of you guys have seen that match. If you guys are watching too, uh, if you've seen that match, if you haven't go pull up the cock and watch it, <laughs> I'm going to continue calling it the cock forever. No, but so, the whole sentence there, pull up the cock. Yeah, pull, just go ahead and pull out your cock and watch it, all right? <laughs> also, one of the best 
Brock, uh, Brock Lesnar dominations was him in the elimination chamber recently, just destroying the fuck out of Austin Theory. That shit was oh, hilarious. Dude, that was so funny because Theory was like crawling around the ring trying to get away from him, and he hit the F five off the fucking the top of the pod. Yeah, pull out you, your cock. You heard me. All right. I have um, another. Yeah. Because you said match, so this yeah. technically counts. I believe he fought Rampage at one point, Jackson. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was a great match, and him and Mir will will go down as a great match too. I, I think the the first match he had with Mir was, I think it humbled him very much um, so because he got his ass kicked and he wasn't. He, got he thought he was going to be the Frank, badass. Yeah, Frank Mir is a legitimate legend of the sport. Like, I mean, maybe not up there with like John Bones or Jones or people like that, but like. He was he's a legend. I still um, want to see I still want to see John Bones or Daniel Cormier versus Brock Lesnar. Like Yeah. I want to see um, 50 year old men banging it out though, unfortunately. I so that's the thing. I don't think if it was just a regular fight, just straight up fight, I think Brock Lesnar is beating just about any other person on the planet. Um listen. I don't want to watch 50-year-old men beat up each other. I you have to do that in March at Revolution watching Ric Flair and Sting. So. Ugh. Fuck Ric Flair. Um, I will say this. Kind of off topic, but I, I, I like how sparingly they've used Sting in AEW. Um, he's not out there every single week. He's not wrestling every single week. He's Fun fact, because making- you said that. Yeah. He's about to tie Roman Reigns for the least amount of matches in 2023. That's funny. That's funny. Um, I agree. It sucks that we'll never get Sting versus Taker, but um, I'm gl- you know what though they. I'm glad that we aren't because they didn't ruin that illusion because they very well could have, and they chose not put two fifty year old men in the ring and have them put an absolute bullshit. They chose not to and protect both their legacies in that sense. So, oh yeah, it could it could have been a it would have been a disaster, especially. The time when uh, Sting got into WWE, it it would have been a disaster at that point. Right. Um, So I like what they did. I like what they did with Triple H and bringing in the NWO, bringing in DX for that match because it was um, it was never going to be a masterpiece. No, you know, but it was. It was our childhood that came to light, right? Oh yeah, Triple H was still at a very good physical peak. Like Triple H was still putting on good matches, but. Even in his 40s, he's not going to be carrying Sting, who was in his late 50s at the time, to a five-star match. It's just not going to happen. Um, so I, I do like what they did with that. I don't really care about who the winner was because that match did not mean anything in the long term, um, in all honesty. But anyways, um, back to Brock Lesnar. Are there – I mean, his career is still, as far as we know, good. Like, he's still wrestling. Um, he's just on a hiatus. What would you like to see or would have liked to see from him at any point in his career as far as like a dream match goes? I only have one wrestling dream match and the rest are more MMA. Okay. The only dream match I would have liked to see, and I don't, I have to make like fact check it, but I would have liked to see Omega and Lesnar because mm-hmm. I think Omega's strong style Japanese would mix well with American strong style Lesnar. Mm-hmm. Other than that, I don't really care to see many of 
many professional wrestling matches for Lesnar anymore because you have to book him as the way he's booked, and you just can't underbook him. Right. So a lot of those opponents don't make sense. Um, as for dream matches MMA style, and yes, I understand I'm going out of weight classes and stuff for this, but I would have liked to see Liddell and Brock. They're, GSP they're and Brock. very similar built guys. GSP and Brock, uh, BJ and Brock, like. I'm, I mean, I'm pretty oh. sure Brock's got like six inches on Chuck Liddell, but Chuck Liddell's built very similarly to him. Give me this in MMA, and I think it might match up fairly well, but Riddle and Brock. Ah, Brock Lesnar would murder him. <laughs> but I, I think it would be interesting, given because they could actually throw. Right. I so, don't think in a wrestling ring it works, but in a professional no. mixed martial arts, it does. So I've I've never I've never played a UFC video game before. Do they have like legends in there? Like would they have Chuck Liddell on in modern? Yeah, UFC they do, game? but Brock's not in the newest uh UFC game, unfortunately. Well, so I know he was in he was in the first one. Wasn't he in the first UFC game? He's in yeah. nine, ten and, and something like that, yeah. Okay. I, the ones I, was, before, I don't know, is Chuck Liddell in that original one? Yes. So like you could do it on UFC, I guess, the video game. <laughs> Let me go whip up my PS2 real quick. Brock Lesnar was also in the one right before the new one came out, too. So. He was in one and four is what it looks like. That's what, that's what Sniper Phenom says. Good old Jordan Goatfucker. All right. Yeah. Um, Sean, what kind of dream matches would you like to or like to have seen Brock in? Tough one. Uh <clears throat> I might. I don't know. I don't know if he did this while I was in Japan, but Okada versus Brock Lesnar would be a good one. Would be a good one. Um, that one never happened, right? Also, because going back to the MMA aspect of being a wrestler too, and the Shinsuke versus Brock Lesnar. Yeah. Shinsuke and Brock did have a match. I thought in New Japan they did. Oh, okay, cool. And it's a I'll fucking banger. I'll have to go look at that then. And um, it was he fought, he challenged Brock for the IWGP championship and lost. But it was a great fucking match because Shinsuke had his fucking strong style. Brock Lesnar had that was his a fucking, young Shinsuke, too. So very like late 20s Shinsuke. Right. Um, um yeah. MMA wise, I'll have to go. Uh, fuck, dude. Brock versus um, not to go Brock versus like I, I know like you said out of weight classes Brock versus Conor McGregor or Brock versus Adesanya, um, Brock versus John Bones Jones, Daniel Cormier, just just people like that like <laughs> Brock Lesnar oh, uh, too Stipe Brock Lesnar versus Joe Rogan. <laughs> Give me it now. Um. So as far as dream matches, I would have liked to see Brock Lesnar against a peak Crow Sting. I think they could have put on a great fucking show because Sting in his heyday was one of the best in-ring workers on the planet, and he was a really good underdog, and I think they would have told a great story. Um, I think they wrestled in OVW but I don't believe they had a match on the main roster, but him and Batista in their primes would have been fun. 
I think they kept them separate for a reason because they're both built the same. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then one that we can get, obviously, Gunther. Um, that's the one match I want to see Brock Lesnar in. Because Gunther, like Gunther might not be as big as Brock Lesnar, but he's a fucking brawler and he can throw his own weight. Like, you know it's going to be a meat slapping fest. I didn't think of that because I'm looking at Brock being done now, right? So, Right. I still think that's a match that we could get at some point, though. Maybe it's um, at 40 we get it just to fit, fill in that card because right. you need to build Gunther as a competitor for that world title, right? So Right. Um, and then last one, I will go MMA with this one. But and um, this again, this is MMA, not WWE. Bobby Lashley, dude. Ooh, I would love to see them duke it out in a cage. That would have been fucking amazing because they're they're about the same weight, so they'd be they could be in the same weight class and they could have and like. Ooh. So the only reason Bobby Lashley didn't work with the UFC is because they wanted him to be exclusive to the UFC and not work anywhere else. He was good enough to be in the UFC. They wanted right. him. Um, he was, I think he was 15 and one in his Bellator career. He so, gave like, me a good idea for another dream match. Obviously, yeah. this isn't it, but also to fill in before I go to the dream match is Batista in MMA. But Brock Lesnar versus a prime UFC Ken Shamrock. Okay. Shamrock was kind of a menace. Yeah, I, I can see that. Or Dan um, Severn. Oh yeah, I forgot yeah. Shamrock existed. To be fair, <laughs> but, I mean Lesnar and uh, Lesnar and Lashley are only a couple of years apart from each other in age. For yeah. one, same weight class, um, both championship amateur wrestlers. Like they have very similar backgrounds. Army, yeah. uh, military background too. Even though Brock got discharged, but um, that'd be a that'd Bobby be a was a marine, wasn't he? Uh, Bobby, I believe so. I think he was a fucking Marine. But yeah, Bobby versus Brock, uh, Brock Lesnar in an MMA match would be fucking amazing. Um, but anyways, um, before we kind of wrap things up, is there any kind of like, is there any kind of things we'd like to throw in, final thoughts, anything like that when it comes to Brock Lesnar? I think Scowls is correcting us. Brock and Naka tagged for a match in New Japan. I swear to God, they fought one-on-one. I'm pretty sure they fought before, but that's neither here or there for this conversation. Oh, they did. I was going to say, I know I saw that fucking match. What, what um, was the question yeah. again? Sorry. Um, Sh- uh, Shinsuke and Brock, did they fight each other? Yeah, they did. No. Oh, uh, final thoughts. Oh, okay. okay, final thoughts. No, man. I mean, all around, Lesnar is, in the words of Pat, McAf- Ma- Pat McAfee, he is what he is. Like he is the male speak, like he is the, alpha, the male. alpha male. Yep. Sean? No, I mean, nothing to really know. Hall of Famer in his own right. Oh, 100%. Talent, you know? Hell yeah. He just uh, ruined Nate's next question, dick. Uh, yeah, he's, yeah, he's a Hall of Famer. I think that's unanimous. I, I mean, I think he should be a UFC Hall of Famer. I think he should be an MMA or, uh, WWE Hall of Famer. I don't know if New Japan has a Hall of Fame, but I think he would be in there too. Um, a lot of in your research, I noticed the one thing you didn't mention, and I but I, this is pretty much common knowledge is Brock, and a lot of people don't like this. 
but Brock and Vince really have that father son kind of bond. Right. And, as, and a lot of people are like, oh, that's not good, blah, blah, blah. But you got to think Brock Lesnar is a small town kid. He gravitated toward Vince at a very young age. He was the yes man kind of towards Vince and did what Vince wanted. He was the envision embodiment of what Vince wanted as a wrestler. He signed so, him at the age of 22 out of college. Like it was the first thing that happened after he graduated from the University of Minnesota. And Brock doesn't hide the fact that he owes Vince a lot for the career and life he has. Like, mm-hmm. Because Brock was considering going to the Olympics. He was going to take time off and go to the 2004 Olympics. Uh, and Vince was like, nah, come work for me, man. I'll make you rich. Make you fucking rich. And he did. <laughs> Dude makes more money than anyone else on the roster and only wrestles half half the year and, like, only pay-per-views. <laughs> um, there was that weird time period in, like, 2015, 2016 where he wrestled a few house shows. That's super weird to think about. Um, but yeah. Um, as far as Brock Lesnar goes, legitimately one of the greatest who will never be given the flowers that he deserves. He'll never be given the credit that I think he truly deserves. I think he's legitimately one of the most iconic and one of the most important professional wrestlers ever. I think he changed the game more than people realize he did. Um, he made the part time, he made the part-time star, a good thing. And that's another thing I want to touch on because I just got the thought about it. There's a lot of people shit on his part-time champion run, but you got to think WWE was booking him as, as a UFC beast. Do champions mm-hmm. in UFC defend all the time? They do not. So they that's where that three meant- times a year. That's where that mentality comes from when they had Brock do it is because he was doing it in the UFC. Let's keep it that way and make him a marquee match. Yeah. And when they advertise him for an appearance on Raw or SmackDown, ratings skyrocket, dude. Every single time. If he's advertised, the ratings are always higher than they are without him. Like, it's like John Cena being advertised or The Rock being advertised or showing up randomly and spiking a million viewers instantly. (laughs) Excuse me. Um but yeah, Brock Lesnar as the part he like he is the blueprint for the part-time star. Uh, if Brock Lesnar on Monday Night Raw every single week, the guitar would stop being goosebump inducing. The guitar would stop, you know, his it, it'd be boring. It, there's nothing for him to do. He can't he cannot be full-time. He doesn't have the it, it would just it would make everything terrible. That's basically what I'm getting at. <laughs> Brock to television is what Taker is to Mania. Yeah, couple of appearances here and there, but <laughs> he is that attraction. Yeah, absolutely. Brock Lesnar is. I mean, I mean, there's a lot of uh, a lot of part timers did it so poorly. Goldberg was bad. Um, Roman's bad. Roman Reigns has not been great part time. I'll be honest, but still, he's got that. When he shows up, everyone fucking watches. Um, I will give him that. I don't think the booking has been good with Roman Reigns though. But not this year, no. Recently, yeah. Um, it's just it follows the same formula, but it's not like it's not like the Brock formula where the where Brock just beats the shit out of you and wins. It's someone gets involved, Solo Sokoa gets involved, Jimmy gets involved, Jay gets involved somehow, and it's just it's kind of wash, rinse, repeat. Um, 
And that doesn't work for interference. It works if it's just you, someone getting fucked up <laughs> by one guy. But yeah. I don't know. We could we could talk about that all fucking night if we wanted to. That could be a discussion for another time. Um, <laughs> with that being said, Shadow, where can we find you? You can find me right here every Saturday night with the Rinkside Crew, aka Rinkside Shadow, with Dusty and Scalzone. And Monday nights, you can catch me and Jack's boat with Sorry for the Interruption, where we don't give a fuck if we interrupt your night. All right. <laughs> Sean, where can we find you, buddy? Find me over on our sister channel. With uh, Rivet City Radio for Sunday's table spot with Mike, Metalcore Mike, Cam G, uh, and I discussing everything. Um, you can find me occasionally on Wednesdays on Rivet City Radio with IWG with Will Gray, and you can find me on social media, Alpha Wolf Shambi 2.0 Instagram. Click the link. Find everything there. I'm not going to explain everything else, so you know what to do. Buy my merch on Off the Top merch site as well. Sin City Wolf. Go buy it. Put some money in my pocket. Thank you. Hell yeah. Um, Jordan says you can find me in the comments section. Boy, we can find you in the barnyard, all right? And the bedding um, is. <laughs> uh, Y'all can find me on TikTok at Nate McNamara WB. Um, that's pretty much it. You can also find me here every two weeks. Um, I thought I think in two weeks we're gonna do something a little different. We're gonna branch out from pro wrestling again and jump into the entertainment world. Um, I was rattling this around in my head lately, and I actually made the decision today. I woke up this morning, got in my car, went to work, put on my phone. Every single day, I put my entire music uh, library on shuffle and just listen to whatever pops up. It's my favorite thing in the world because I get almost never get repeat songs. I woke up this morning, put my library on shuffle, and the very first song that came up was Numb by Linkin Park. <laughs> and I'm like, I have a career retrospective tonight. And I re I remember how the Robin Williams one ended went so well. The and I thought we had a great time doing it. This is gonna be a tough one. It's going to be difficult, I'm sure. It's going to be, you know, there's going to be emotions and stuff coming out. But two weeks from tonight, join us again. We're going to be taking on the career and the life of Linkin Park lead singer Chester Bennington. Oh, that's Please awesome. Man. I love that. Yes. Please join us. Um, I'm going to I'm gonna get working on that outline this weekend and get it done. And then we're going to get uh, – we're going to push this really hard. We're going to get people in here. We're going to, it's going to be a, it's going to be different. Um, I love it. I love it because like I said, I mean, I'm a huge Rankin Park fan. I have a signed photo of the entire band on my wall. So. Hell yeah. Um, four weeks from now, I feel like two weeks from now we can, we can afford the sad, emotional, borderline depressing episode that we're probably going to have. Kick it off December with a great start. <laughs> because two weeks after that, we're going to take on the career of WWE's resident Santa Claus, Hall of <laughs> Famer, Mick Foley. I got to get my Santa suit for that. I got to afford my suit. <laughs> what are you, you wearing now? now? I mean, the only thing you're missing is a red coat, bro. 
<laughs> I love how uh, me and Nate are like, aren't you wearing it now? <laughs> oh, God. All right. Uh, everybody, thank you so much for joining us tonight. Um, we'll see you next time. Have a great night.